Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Shannon Popkin. Shannon is the author of Comparison Girl, Lessons from Jesus on Me-Free Living in a Measure-Up World. I think, how do I measure up is a question that most of us are subconsciously asking because as women, we tend to compare constantly, whether on social media, in our neighborhood, at church, at work, etc. So join Shannon and I as we discuss how to leave behind that measure up comparison and connect with those around us by choosing Jesus's me-free way of living. It's time to break free from the shackles of comparison to discover the freedom and joy of living me-free. Hello, Shannon. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. Hey, Rachel. So good to be with you. In your previous release, which is called Control Girl, you confess to your struggle with needing to be in control. So now your next release is Comparison Girl. So is it safe to assume that this release, uh, with this release, I guess, that comparison is also a problem for you? <laughs> oh, yes, ma'am, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the case. Yeah, and, and I'm finding that those two are sometimes tangled up together in my heart, you know, this desire to be in control and, and comparing the things that I can't control. Um, so yeah, the, the two topics do overlap more than I originally thought they would. Well, you know, uh, just to let listeners in on this right before we started recording, I was telling you, you know, like we are recording when things are starting to open up a little bit after coronavirus. And I was sharing with you how, I'm feeling this, not anxiety, but just a tension in my heart because I have been able to control my surroundings <laughs> and not let things in if I don't want them in, turn off social media if I want to, hear and listen mm-hmm. to what I want to listen to. I've not been putting on makeup or doing hair or, you know, <laughs> getting real clothes on. And now it's like as we're reentering, it's like all these pressures again that I can't mm-hmm. control and then comparing myself to all these people that's like, well, how much did they eat or how much did they exercise? Yes. What have they been doing? It's like, oh, slow down. I, you know, I, I want to go back into hiding. And so you said, oh, my gosh, Rachel, you are, you're tangling these comparison and comparison yeah, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, how much weight did you gain during <laughs> quarantine versus, I mean, I know I gained, I haven't gotten on the scale yet, but I know based on how my clothes are fitting, but you know, I think too, my family has kind of enjoyed the reprieve with our house <laughs> because I've been, compl- I've let it go. You know, I have not been and it's because nobody's coming over. Isn't that sad? But yeah, like that pressure to maintain appearances and to measure up in the eyes of others um, and like maintaining control over that. Those are, yeah, the, the topics do kind of get twisted together, at least in my heart. <laughs> well, and mine too. And so that is why I'm so excited about this interview today, because I know um, God is working on me in this area. So how far back, I know my, my comparison struggle goes back really far, but how far back does your struggle with comparison go and has measuring up, um, and improving yourself to others been something that you've struggled with your entire life as well? 
I think so. Right. I think, you know, as a little girl, I can remember comparing with my cousins, you know, we would get, they just lived a couple blocks away and I would compare myself with them. You know, they were prettier or they had, you know, more, more clothes than I had, or it was something like that. And then, you know, comparing with my friends in kindergarten or just different. I remember in One of my very first memories, Rachel, is kind of a comparison girl story. And have you ever heard it said that, like, your first memory says something about you Mm because it's like, you know, it's like embedded in your memory. So I was I was sitting in church as like maybe a four year old and I was in a row, like my parents let me sit by myself, which maybe says something about me too. Right. (laughs) So I wanted to sit all by myself and I'm, and I'm standing in front of my chair and I'm like holding my hymn book really tall and um, singing out really loud, you know, and this woman reaches down from behind me and turns my hymn book right side up, apparently, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, I did not like that. I, and I glanced back at her with this, you know, hateful (laughs) look like you just, you know, kind of exposed me. And Mm -hmm. I, and I, I felt like this shame of now everyone around me thinks that I'm holding my book upside down. And so, you know what I did? I took that book and I flipped it right side or, you know, actually probably back upside down. Right. (laughs) And it kind of like, well, this is the way I hold my hymn book. Thank you very much. Obviously I didn't know how to read and how ludicrous that I am as a four-year-old ashamed that the watching world would know Mm -hmm. that I didn't know how to read, but like that, there are still similar things that I feel shame about you know, my inadequacies or things that I don't do perfectly, like keep my house perfectly or maintain my weight perfectly, you know, and, and then I, I feel this sense of burden and shame and, and like, um, I'm, I feel exposed and it's just as silly as when I was four years old. Right. So this problem has been going on for a long time. You know, my heart just seems to be bent on pride and perfectionism and measuring up in the eyes of other people. And I'm telling you, it does not lead to freedom and joy. It leads to that tension that you're talking about in your heart, like just that little squeeze of like, oh, what do they think of me now? You know, those sorts of feelings. Well, you know, we often refer to comparison as a game. So it, it doesn't feel like a game, does it? So, so why, why do these references to the comparison game also rub you the wrong way? Well, yeah, I think it's kind of ironic that we call it a game because, you know, it's, it creates such bondage. Comparison creates such bondage. It's, it's destroying us. And so like, we would never, you know, like if you think of like a war, you would never say, well, the grenade game, right. (laughs) Or the, the air missile game, like it's not a game. It causes destruction. And I think our enemy uses comparison against us. So it's like this tactic that he uses. Um, and, and I see a really clear tie in scripture between the enemy's attacks on us and this comparison and measure up. Let me just read a verse um, that ties it together. James 3, 14 through 15 says, if you have bitter jealousy, which is like, you know, looking over at somebody and wishing that you had what she has or, or selfish ambition, like that's the desire to get ahead and prove that you are more, um, 
So if you have either of those in your hearts, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Like that's a pretty clear tie, right? Yeah. So, so like James, the author of this, this letter, he's the pastor of the Jerusalem church and he's writing to these new churches that are cropping up everywhere. These new Jesus followers. And he's like, okay, there are two wisdoms. There's the wisdom from this world, you know, the wisdom from below that's tied with Satan and his tactics and his, you know, wartime mentality to destroy you. And then there's the wisdom from above. And this is the wisdom, the wisdom of Jesus, which is not like, is not marked by jealousy or it's not marked by trying to get ahead. It's marked by humility and emptying ourselves and serving each other. And so trying to sort those two wisdoms out, I think is really key. Um, and, and so comparison, yeah, not a game. <laughs> it's, it's, it has to do with this war that we are in the middle of. And, um, and I think, you know, just being aware that we are in a war there, there's a battle going on around us and there are two Satan, you know, thinks of himself as the enemy, the arch enemy of God, and he is going after us. And one of the ways he targets us is trying to get us to step into his mindset of, of this measure up comparison mindset. Well, you know, I, I think women really have been comparing themselves to others um, since the beginning of time. And, and we read about it frequently in the Bible. So it really isn't anything new. But how do you think that social media in recent years has made comparison an even bigger problem? Right. Well, I mean, you know, we used to compare with our friends at school, maybe, or in the neighborhood or in our families, right? But social media sort of just opens a million windows. <laughs> you know, now we have a million neighbors, right? Or a million right. sisters. <laughs> and and so there's, I think it creates um, just a greater struggle because there's, there's just more opportunity to compare. Um, and and I, you know, it's really hard to remove ourselves from this temptation. So like, I, I remember one time when my daughter was little, uh, maybe, maybe like um, elementary school, early elementary school, she was not invited to a birthday party. And this party, she, it was a neighbor girl. And, you know, to me, it made total sense that she wasn't invited. This girl went to a different school than my daughter. She was in a different grade. And, you know, she had just invited her, probably her class friends over. But my daughter was like standing by the window watching this party happening. And to her, this little girl, she loved this girl. And she was so hurt and offended, you know, that she hadn't been invited. And, and I remember saying, Lynn, honey, why don't you just let's just come away from the window. Like just, you don't have to watch it, yeah. right? Like it's not helping you to watch this. And, and that's kind of how I feel about social media. Like, you know, let's just come away from the window, but how <laughs> like the windows are open everywhere. There is so much opportunity to compare. And so I really think we've got to handle the problem before we go over to the window because you know, just assuming we're not going to have a problem once we get to the window, that's naive and foolish. We've got to handle this problem with comparison. We've got to, we've got to have some answers in our heart and we've got to go in with a plan, a proactive plan before we get there. Um, 
because there is, there's just so much going on um, in our hearts when we're comparing. Well, so let's sort of talk about this plan. Um, you know, like the common response to our problem of comparison is just, well, just stop comparing, you know, but it's easier <laughs> said than done. So what is Jesus, what did Jesus teach us? Yeah. I mean, I can't find the verse where he says, come follow me and I will teach you not to compare. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's just not there. I keep looking for it. But um, (laughs) Jesus actually seemed to invite people to do the opposite. Like I hear him a lot of times in scripture, like telling these stories where he's comparing someone and you can just picture everyone gathered around listening and, and trying to find themselves in the story. And it's two characters who are, you know, pitted against each other. So it's like, he's almost inviting us to compare Rachel, let me just throw that back at you. Can you think of any stories where that Jesus told where um, there are two be- people that are different in the story? They're being compared. Um. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Like I'll get like the good Samaritan would be is one that people okay. always think about, or is there any others that come to mind? Like, um, the parable of the talents. Well, you know, I, I, I was even just thinking of it the last supper, how the disciples were like saying, who was the greatest, you know, like, yes. you know, that one. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, so there's real life situations where people are comparing and then there are, um, and Jesus is like comparing, there's, there's the story of the widow who puts in the two copper coins and Jesus calls his disciples over and he's like, look at her. She's given more than the rest. Like that's a comparison word. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the story of Mary and Martha, where Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better. You know, that's a comparison word. So there's all of these different instances in real life or stories that Jesus told, um, where people are being compared, like, like take that parable of the, uh, the, the talents where Jesus could have told, you know, it's the disciples he's talking to in that instance. And he could have told the story so that, um, you know, there's a man and he's traveling on a journey and he asks his servants to, um, oversee his property and he gives three talents to each one. Jesus could have told the story that way. Right. Mm -hmm. But instead he tells the story where one servant has five and one servant has two and one servant has one talent. And so, you know, that the disciples are thinking, well, okay, which one am I, you know, am I, Peter's obviously the one with the five talents. Right. And so, you know, am I the guy who got two talents? Mm -hmm. Am I the Mm -hmm. one who got one? So Jesus, he, he almost invites us into these comparison circles, but he does like, he does exactly the opposite of our enemy. So our enemy is constantly inviting us to measure ourselves and compare ourselves with each other. And, and like, who's the greatest and who's the least. And, um, you know, Jesus flips that all on its head. And so oftentimes when Jesus is telling one of these comparison stories or Often when he's responding to somebody who's comparing, that's why he's telling the story. What he does is he, he uses these little upside down statements. I call them the red letter comparisons of Jesus because, you know, in, in our Bibles that have the red letter, these are, these are the words that Jesus spoke. And so some examples of these would be the first will be last or the last will be first um, or the greatest among you is the servant of all. Or whoever humbles herself will be exalted. 
And whoever exalts herself will be humbled. See how they're, Mm -hmm. they're upside down. And Jesus is trying to explain to us in all of these um, stories. He's, he's not saying to us, you know, just stop comparing. Jesus is saying, you know, in my kingdom, we just do things in such an opposite, different way where the great one is the person who serves the, the one who is, um, is great in my kingdom. Well, she puts herself last and the one who puts herself first, well, she's not as great in my kingdom. And so he's inviting us to adopt this new, like me free mindset. That's, that's kind of the, the way that I use to describe Jesus's mindset. It's this me free. And if we can step into social media or a room full of girlfriends or, you know, our family settings, if we can step into those settings with this sort of me free mindset where, you know, I'm not here to prove that I'm, you know, better than you or that I've have more or that I am more. No, I'm, what I'm here to do is to serve you. Well, there is just this freedom that comes and, and we're sort of like inoculated from our enemy. When we step into any situation with this desire to serve others and lift others up the way that Jesus did, we, we, we like sidestep all of the landmines of comparison. Shannon, this is so good. I mean, I literally, when you asked me that question, I was like, uh, because I've never thought of it. I mean, like this is such a, um, the fact that Jesus actually was comparing us, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, oh, right. so it's such new, I've never, I've never thought, thought through that. And it was obvious, but, um, but I, but I love how you don't leave us there, that it is, um, the way that Jesus did flip it upside down. And then the way we get past it is by getting rid of ourselves. And, you know, when I was mm-hmm. sort of telling you earlier about me realizing this is a tension in my heart and I was sitting, you know, sort of sitting with Jesus in it, I thought, where does this, um, you know, obviously it's an inadequacy in me. And, mm. um, and I thought, well, is it humility that I never think I'm good enough? Or is it that I'm so focused on me that I'm actually being prideful? Right. You know, like, and that was my prayer this morning, like, Lord, help me get rid and just enough of me. <laughs> you know? Yes. So yeah. Love that that's... Well, and either one of those can be bondage, right? Yeah. Either one, when you're with the sense of inadequacy, what it does is, you know, when you're comparing and measuring yourself and feeling inadequate, inadequate, you don't really want to be next to the people that you were, you know, feeling inadequate, right. you know? So like, like think of my daughter by that window, watching her friend, like the last thing that my daughter's going to want to do after that birthday party's over is run out and like reunite with her friend. You know, no, she feels, she feels um, rejected. She feels inadequate. She feels like she wasn't invited. And so she kind of wants to retreat and pull away and tuck herself away in a corner. And, and so there's, you know, there's, and women can live in those corners mm. for entire seasons. Mm. They can live there their entire lives. Mm. You know, quarantine has been a season where we've pulled away from each other, but I'm, I'm worried about it, Rachel, because you know, we've been looking at each other through screens a lot more during quarantine and that sense of inadequacy, it might, it might be piling on to hearts Mm -hmm. really, or, you know, the opposite can happen too, where we compare and we have this sense of, you know, everyone else is beneath us. Like, oh, wow, look how I am getting ahead or making it. And, you know, that is bondage too. Yeah. Because if you ever like, think about the woman who has achieved some sort of status or, 
admiration, you know, maybe she's got the nicest house on the block or she's, you know, she's put, been put in some leadership position at work or, you know, she has this gorgeous, beautiful family. Well, there is just this pressure to maintain that. Isn't that, isn't that true? Like we're yeah. so, we're driven to get in these measure up positions, but we're also driven to keep whatever status or whatever um, greatness by the world standards that we have acquired. And, and that can lead us into bondage too. And, and that can lead us into a different sort of corner where we're just afraid to be vulnerable and say, yeah, me too. I mean, my family's a, a mess too. Like maybe we look great from the outside, but I got to tell you, we've got some deep, seated struggles or yeah, maybe this house looks really nice, but it's a prison. Like we are, um, we're in bondage to it. Like we have to, you know, we're in debt or we're, we're trying, we're driving ourselves crazy, trying to maintain appearances. And, and, you know, if you're maintaining that level of, you know, perfectionism or that measure up status, there's no way you're letting others into that corner. You're just going to live in that corner. And where does our enemy attack us? Mm -hmm. It's when we are in isolation in our little corner, our little bondage corner, but we find this freedom when we can just humble ourselves and say, um, you know what? I, I measure myself against you and I want to stop doing that. Um, I, I feel inadequate. I feel, you know, making ourselves vulnerable to each other. It's like coming out of our corner Mm -hmm. and, and finding this, um, this place to belong with each other. Uh, and that's what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to approach each other with a me free mindset, which, um, you know, it invites true community and connection. And one more, just one more thing about social media, you know, it's intended to connect us, right? Right. Yeah. But I think sometimes it does the opposite because we're so driven, you know, we can put on our filters and we can, we can get the right angle and the right lighting and make everything look so perfect. But it, it's, it's a false sort of connection where Jesus invites us to just be me, me free, like just be who we are and, and have this vulnerability and humility where we can truly connect with each other. Wouldn't that be beautiful, Rachel, if we could mm-hmm. just truly connect? Yeah. Yeah. Unedited for sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, so you have an analogy of living by the lines versus living by the spout. So can you explain that analogy for us? Yeah. So, okay. I'd like our listeners to picture a measuring cup, you know, the kind that has the spout and the the lines on the side, uh, maybe the glass kind. And picture that measuring cup as like your life. And everything in the cup represents all the things that God has given you, all of your um, your personality and your gifts and your talents and your aptitudes, your strengths, your, um, you know, your resources, like what, what you have in your bank account or, you know, what you find in the mirror, all of the things that, that you would count as assets. And he wants for you to, our enemy wants you to take that measuring cup and put it next to somebody else's and like focus on the lines on the outside of the cup. Like how do I measure up to her in this area or how do I measure up to how does my family measure against their family in this area? Or, you know, just all of this measure up sort of um, these traps that we fall into. But Jesus came saying, you know what? 
you weren't designed to live measuring like that's the world's mindset. And he points our attention to the spout and he says, you know, come and follow me and live your life the way that I lived. And, and how did Jesus live? Jesus was not trying to measure up in any instance. Um, Jesus lived his life emptying himself and pouring himself out. Let me just read a verse that kind of encapsulates that thought verse uh, Philippians two verse five says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So here's Jesus's mindset. Uh, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. And so Jesus wasn't trying to measure up with God. He wasn't trying to prove, you know, that his worth was equal to God. Um, If Jesus had a measuring cup, it would be the size of, you know, I don't know, the universe, right? And it would be, it would be brimming full, but that was not his motive. That was not his game to come to the world and prove that he measured up to God. But instead, verse seven says, Jesus emptied himself and took by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and um, being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus took all of that greatness, all of the things that made Jesus, Jesus, and he took his measuring cup and he emptied himself. He poured his life out on the cross and he did so, so that he could lift us up out of the pit, right? So Jesus not only went into that grave, but he rose again. He alone could do that and he alone could save us. And so Jesus invites us to come and live our lives the way that he did by taking everything that God gave us all of the things that we consider assets in our cup and use them not to lift ourselves up, not to serve ourselves, but to empty ourselves and to pour ourselves out in humility and serve other people. Well, so let's talk about that emptying sort of of ourselves. I mean, practically speaking, what does it mean to live me free on a day-to-day basis, you know, and, and how does a me free outlook give our differences new meaning? Right. Yeah. So I think that um, when we can approach each other with a me free mindset, we're we're not just thinking about we're really not thinking about ourselves. You know, <laughs> Tim Tim Keller in his book The Freedom of Self Forgetfulness he says that humility isn't thinking less of ourselves; it's just thinking of ourselves less. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not that humility isn't denying, right. That we have these gifts or these talents or these aptitudes. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus never denied that he was God or that he, you know, had the power. Um, he, he never denied his greatness, but he used his greatness to lift others up. And, and so like when, when we approach other people with a me free mindset, we're just, we just have a different goal. Our goal is, is not to um, make ourselves look great in the eyes of other people. Our goal is to lift others up and to put them first. And, and so this beautiful thing happens when we do that. You know, if I walk into a room of people and I'm, and I'm there to try to, you know, prove that I'm great or what, you know, pr- then I'm going to start posturing, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to start, or I'm going to hide my inadequacies. But if I, and I feel threatened by people who have gifts, you know, that, that I don't have, um, 
And, but if I can approach just not even thinking about myself, I can walk into that room and I can have this idea of, you know, who needs what I have here in this room? Who needs someone to be encouraged? Who needs a friend today? Who needs, um, who needs someone to serve them? Like, and, and when I'm bending down to serve somebody else, I'm not measuring myself against them. Mm. So, so back to that metaphor of the measuring cup. Like if you picture the cup tipped to one side, the lines aren't important anymore. Mm. When, you're pour- when you're pouring, you're not measuring. You can't be doing them at the same time. If, you, if you're measuring, you're not pouring, right? And if you're pouring, you're not measuring anymore. So it's sort of like the pouring ourselves out and humbling ourselves and lifting others up. We're, we're doing that. And that is what frees us from this measure up mindset. Well, so we have talked a lot about the bad parts of comparison, but, but when can comparison be positive? Right. Yeah. So if you can enter a room full of people focused on the spout, you know, if you can enter, enter that room and approach other people knowing exactly what is in your cup um, and, and looking for ways to pour out first, what you've got to do is kind of, you got to compare a little bit, right? So, you know, you've got to recognize, well, here are my gifts Here's, here's what God has given me in particular that's different from her over there. And, and those are her gifts over there. You know, in her measuring cup, she's, she's, you know, maybe I'm not equipped to give financially with such extravagance as this person over, over there. And that's okay. Like I can live with that. Right. I mean, even in our giving, we can, we can compare and feel inadequate or our serving, but maybe, you know, maybe she's more equipped to stand on a platform in front of 10,000 people and I'm, you know, maybe I'm not equipped that way. And that, and can I live with that? Am I okay with that? You know, so this sort of comparison with, if we approach comparison with a me free mindset, we're able to just look at, okay, what's in my cup? How has God gifted me? What resources has he entrusted to me? And how can I just serve with what I have? And maybe I do have less capacity than her over there. And that's okay. Like if anyone knows it's the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And he only expects me to serve with, you know, with what I've been given, not to measure against somebody else, but just pour out, you know, what I've been given. Like, like picture that again, that parable of the talents, you know, at the end of the parable, the guy with five talents brings back 10, you know, gives them to the master. And the one with two talents brings back uh, four. And then the one with one talent buried the talent. Now he's the one, you know, he's the bad guy in the story. And none of us want to be like him. But th- there are two good guys in the story. Both the one who had five and the one who have, have um, or the one who brings 10 and the one who brings four both of those get to hear the exact same thing from the the master. Both of them hear, well done, good and faithful servant, you know, enter into your master's, um, enter into eternity. And, and all of us have the equal opportunity of hearing that regardless of, you know, if we have a lot in our measuring cup or a little in some way, all of us got, get to be servants and we get to empty ourselves out, even if it's just a little bit. Like, remember the widow with her two mites. 
Like she was pleasing to the Lord and we can be pleasing too. And so if we can, um, if we can compare in this way and just understand, okay, here's what I've been given. And here's what Jesus expects for me to serve with. Uh, the, you know, the more we've been given, the more opportunities uh, we have to serve and we're held accountable for that. Right. And so um, if, you know, back to the, the measuring cup metaphor, just picture a whole room full of women who were like tucked in little corners, either pasturing or hiding themselves from each other and deciding, you know what? No, it's not about me. And they're all coming to the, the center of the room and they all have their measuring cups tipped and they all want to pour out what they've been given and they all want to receive from each other. And it forms this little cluster of unity. And instead of comparing in isolation, we're all coming forward like, here's my gift and I want to share it and I want to serve you with what I have and I want to receive what you've been given. That, that's the church, you know, that's mm, true yeah. humanity. That's, that's what we were designed to do. Mm, that's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So how does flipping the ruler, so to speak, help us when maybe we become judgmental of others? Because that's a tendency too. Yeah, you know, Rachel, the women who are reading um, Comparison Girl, the, the, this new book that is we're kind of talking about today, um, the, what they're finding is, yeah, I knew I compared up. I didn't really realize how much I compared down. And that was definitely the case for me when I wrote this book. Um, I I knew that comparing up was a problem. I did not realize how much I was comparing down in judgment of other people. Um, And so in Jesus's a sermon on the Mount. He talked about specks and logs, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he did this. So here again is another little comparison metaphor that Jesus used. And so, you know, a speck is tiny. And if you're trying to help somebody get a speck out of their eye, if you were going to try and measure that speck, well, you would have a really, like you'd use the millimeter side, maybe, you know, of your ruler. Um, and, and the, a log is really big, right? <laughs> so you would never, you would never measure a log by millimeters. And so Jesus says, you know, here's this guy with a log sticking out of his eye. It's huge. And you know, it's ridiculous. It's a, it's a funny image. Um, and, but if we were to measure the log, we would flip our ruler around to the other side and maybe measure by the foot or even use a yardstick, right? It's really big. And so when we are so critical of other people and always measuring down and, you know, we kind of have this disgust, like, oh my word, like, what is your problem? I find this a lot in my marriage, right? I'm like, I don't mean to be measuring or comparing down with my husband, but oh, he did that wrong again. Or my kids, like, I can't believe, you know, and I'm constantly like leaning in with my little, um, my ruler with the millimeter side and comparing down, like I would never do it that way. I would never do this. Well, I'm completely unaware of my log sized pride that is sticking down or sticking out of my eye, you know, as I'm measuring them. And so like flipping the ruler has to do with like, you know, if I'm constantly comparing down at other people and I'm critical of them, what I need to do is flip that ruler around and look at the, look at the disgust on my face, look at the disgust in my heart and, and realize how log sized that is in God's eyes. Like I'm actually the one with the bigger problem and I don't even realize it. Um, I love how Ed Stetzer in his book, um, Christians in an age of, uh, I'm sorry, Christians in an age of outrage. Um, He talks about how we can't communicate disgust towards somebody else without also communicating something about ourselves. Mm. 
communicating, you know, that we see ourselves higher, lifted up, you know, more elevated than them. And so our disgust, it says something about us too. We need to turn that ruler back on ourselves and, um, you know, and, and say like, okay, this thing that I'm getting all bent out of shape about, it's so tiny. Look how little it is. And look how big my arrogance is when I judge this other person. Oh gosh. You know, I was, um, I've been reading in second Corinthians, um, this week and it was talking about, well, maybe it was in first Corinthians last week, but anyway, it was talking (laughs) about, um, how he gives us spiritual gifts, but he gives us the gifts according to how he sees fit, but that none of the gifts are any better or any worse than any of the other ones, you know, but how we have a tendency to do that. Um, Yes. Yeah. It says that God arranges the gifts as he sees fit. mm -hmm. Yeah. And then in first Corinthians 12, it talks about the, the ones who think that they have the, the more esteemed gift. Well, they're completely wrong, but then, you know, the, the one, the eye that says, I don't need the Mm. foot or however it was. Right. And, and, but then also the one who says, well, you know, I'm the inadequate one. I'm obviously not needed here. I'm the foot and you're the, you know, whatever. (laughs) Well, that one's completely wrong too. Mm -hmm. We're all needed. Mm -hmm. And then, and there's this extra special assignment given to the ones who have these greater gifts these more public gifts and our assignment is to be like Jesus and to lift up those you know to the one who feels more looked over we're our job first Corinthians 12 says our job is to um, to make sure they're not overlooked and to make sure that they're not forgotten that's our assignment and so look at like if in order to do that, in order to complete that assignment, you kind of have to compare. So there it is again, right? The, the mm. Bible is inviting us, inviting us to, to compare, to compare, yeah. but in this new me free way. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's what came to mind too, uh, when you were saying like how beautiful it would be if we were all just in a sort of in a mm-hmm. circle, so to speak, and pouring out out of the spout. And I was thinking about using all of our gifts in that one body yes. um, as yes. first Corinthians 12 talked about. And then something interesting, you know, it's funny when I think about comparison, I'm usually thinking of myself in comparison to other women. Um, but then when you were bringing this up about even with our husbands and our children and our, mm-hmm. you know, like that sort of flipped the script um, for me too, that we, um, we need to be living by the spout within our own homes. <laughs> Yes. As we do in the world, you know? Yeah. And you know what, Rachel? I, I first brought this topic to mom's groups because that's where I first felt this, you know, just extreme inadequacy yeah. being a mom, you know, just changing diapers, wiping up drool, right? Right, right. But then, but then one of, you know, one of the, um, me free, like the little uh, red letter comparisons that Jesus is, uses. He uses it in the context of taking a baby and lifting up a baby. Um, he says, you know, if you want to be great, he gives this metaphor. He takes a child and he puts the child in the middle of the room with all these disciples um, in a house. And then and then he says, you want to be great? Here's what you do. And, you, and he leans down and he picks up this baby. And, you know, he's just showing us this is what greatness looks like in the kingdom. And so, like, picture a mom just grasping onto that, that in this season where she is wiping up drool and she is changing diapers, she gets to be great, right? Mm-hmm. She gets to be one of the great ones where if if Jesus was going to do, you know, a training session for the great leaders of the church, he would say, okay, you want to be great? 
here's what you do. And he'd, he'd point over at a mom, she's picking up a baby and say, be like her. Right. And so when, now when I get to speak at mom's groups, I say, you know, you are in a season where you get to pursue greatness in a way that that season has ended for me. I can't pick up my kids anymore. <laughs> they're, they're very, they're very independent. And as much as I would like to, you know, maybe take, mother them in those ways, no, it's it's inappropriate. And um, and so, but I I can in any situation, I have equal, women have equal opportunity in the truest sense in the church of Jesus Christ, because we all have equal opportunity to serve, you know, whether we're sitting behind some executive desk in a corner office, or we are a mom in a room full of needy children, all of us have equal opportunity to serve. That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God. Yeah. Well, so, um, this season, I'm asking all of my guests who has loved them well. So I'm interested, Shannon, and in who first comes to mind for you and, and how have they loved you well? Uh, you know, I think my husband has loved me so well. He is, um, you know, sometimes it's tough love. <laughs> sometimes. Yes. And he doesn't let me get away with stuff, you know, and God gave me a strong husband. We are both firstborns. <laughs> and um and, you know, sometimes your, your podcast is the love offering mm -hmm. and sometimes it is sort of an offering to the Lord to love each other well in these ways. And so he will, he'll say, you know, just real quietly, Shannon, stop, you know, just stop it when I'm, when I'm turning into the control girl mom again, or when I'm obsessing about some comparison thing, like throughout this book launch with comparison girl he keeps saying um I think that sounds like a comparison girl talking <laughs> <laughs> right. so he just he reminds me of truth and it's it's an iron sharpens iron relationship and you know he just loves me well by pointing me back to what I've said I believe and yet I'm not living <laughs> the way and and that's really what I want to do too with women is like let's live like God's word is true. Um, and so he just invites me to do that myself. Like, no, you shared this message. Now it's time to live it. Mm -hmm. You know, let's live like God's word is true. So yeah, he loves me well in those ways. Well, so I'm also interested to hear, is there somebody that has modeled this concept well for you? Like, I don't know, like somebody that you're living life side by side with that, that has helped you in this comparison girl journey. Well, you know, when you ask the question about who's loved me well, another my another person came to mind. So let me just talk a minute about her. Her name's Rachel. And um I like her already. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. She doesn't have the A in her well, the second A. Um, but she is a women's ministry leader at my at my church. And um she's a friend and but in a in a really busy season of my life when I was writing um, this, this book comparison girl, I had kind of like pulled back from all of my ministry at church and, you know, I was still speaking out in other churches, but I just was not, nobody had my name on a roster, you know, at my church, I wasn't doing children's ministry. I wasn't involved in women's Bible study, which I love doing those things. And I, I had just shared with Rachel, you know, I'm just kind of afraid I'm going to drift away. Like, like nobody's get, you know, I, I just feel a little bit unanchored in the season. And so here's what my dear friend said. She's like, you know what, how about if I call you every week? And I said, Oh my goodness, Rachel, like you are so busy. Her job. I mean, we have, we ha have a thousand women in Bible study at our church and wow. 
um, she, you know, I mean, she serves that with just one of our campuses, but she pours it all out. I mean, I know what her schedule looks like. And, and I just said, would you do that for me? Like, you know, she calls all of her leaders like on a, on a weekly basis. <laughs> She's amazing. The personal connections that she has with people. And I'm like, I, I mean, I'm not even on your list of leaders this year, you know? And she's like, I would love to call you. I have time for that. Mm. And so she did that. She called me every week for a year. She called me and, you know, there's just such humility in that, right. In, in pouring herself out in, you know, not, not saying, you know, I'm, I'm important here. You know, I have a lot of people that I'm serving. I have a lot. She could have talked herself out of that assignment any day, but she served me so well by just being a friend and checking in with me and speaking truth to me. Like, wow, what a beautiful gift it was. And, um, she, you know, she just really modeled Jesus to me in that year when I just, I couldn't be connected in to any small group on a weekly basis, my schedule wouldn't allow it. Um, so Rachel was my, like, my like touch point with the church, my anchor, um, with my local church. And I'm so grateful. I feel like that didn't, don't you think that's a good modeling Mm. of just emptying yourself Mm. and pouring yourself into somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. Living by the spout for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, so how do you think that we can I guess, love ourselves well well in the midst of comparison, but also love others well in the midst of comparison. Right. So I think loving ourselves well is recognizing, you know, what have we been given? Like what gifts and aptitudes um, has the Lord put in our cup and how can we steward those well, but, but not putting extra pressure on ourselves, (laughs) right to be here yeah yeah we actually are like perfectionism is a curse I'm telling you I've lived that curse and and so like not burdening ourselves with um you know assignments on our list that God hasn't put there right or um or or like any sort of these measures against other people loving myself well looks like, you know what, God gave me a different body to live in than he gave her. And can I live with that? You know, our, (laughs) our God is a God of great variety and he loves to make us all different sizes and shapes. And, um, and so loving myself well, just, I feel like it's, it's leaning in on this idea of comparison, but with a me free mindset, like it's not my goal to measure myself against her. My goal is just to, to be me the very best that I can be. But then also to celebrate the way that he made other people, like rather than um, if I, if I'm not comparing with her, if I'm not measuring against her, well, I have this new freedom to be able to enjoy her and to celebrate the way that God gave her gifts that he didn't give me. And I can, you know, I can totally rejoice in that. So I think, you know, loving her well is noticing those gifts, calling them out, receiving them from her, um, and then, and celebrating those, um, and just both in, in noticing that our gifts are different. We are different and, you know, just validating those differences, um, but with a me free mindset. Well, so what final encouragement would you offer someone who's listening right now who may be struggling with comparison or jealousy like me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I just want to call our attention back to that metaphor of if we are pouring out 
if we have this me free mindset and our goal is to pour ourselves out, you know, not denying that we have gifts and talents and not in any way belittling ourselves, but, but I call it littling ourselves, not belittling, but littling ourselves, That's good. you know, making ourselves small, humbling ourselves. If we are pouring out in that way, um, being the smallest person in the room, then if we're, we're pouring, we're not measuring. So there, that is how the freedom is found. Uh, I think there's a reason Jesus kept repeating the greatest is the servant. The first will be last. The last will be first. I think he wants us to hold on to those statements and to use them to reframe our lives to find freedom. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the love offering is about giving of ourselves and sort of, um, in the way that you're, you're saying living by the spout, I can so see the connection in both of these. So, um, uh, I love your heart, I guess, um, for this. Mm-hmm. So, I want to stay connected with you and I know listeners will too. So, so what's the best way to do that? Oh, great, Rachel. I um, love Instagram. I've been doing a lot with Instagram on comparison girls, so we could stay connected that way. I'd also invite our listeners to check out comparisongirl.com. We've got a lot of resources. There's um, the, the book comparison girl. It's a Bible study. There's also a companion journal that you can use um, and some freebies for you. Like I have these screensavers that help with entering the, the comparison go, uh, girl zone of social media. So I'd love to put those in your hands. Okay. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. Um, this was so good for me personally today. Um, and I know that it will be for listeners as well. Just thanks for helping us to discover the freedom and the joy of living me free. God bless you. God bless you too, Rachel. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Shannon Popkin. I hope that you are able to realize how you can leave behind this measure up comparison and connect with those around you by choosing the Jesus's me free way of living. If you're interested in today's show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or on Facebook. You can also have them sent directly to your inbox each week by going to rachelkadams.com and subscribing to receive my weekly love offering newsletter. Next week, my guest is Gina McCowan. She is the author of Women's Ministry on Purpose. In next week's episode, she shares how we are here for our purpose and inspires us to use our gifts to minister to other women. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love. Mm-hmm.